When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Hi, this is Mike Smith from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chad. All right, Mike Smith and the Oilers taking on the Sharks tomorrow night. Uh, don't know who the starting goaltender is going to be. We'll find out at the morning skate tomorrow. Quickly updating the NHL scoreboard here. Devils lead the Maple Leafs 2-1 with five and a half minutes left in the second period. After the first, Buffalo up one nothing on Pittsburgh. Tage Thompson, pretty good young player, gets his 26th of the year. Later, Vancouver at Colorado and Chicago will take on Anaheim. Okay, he joins us. Every second week here on Inside Sports, courtesy Avalon Foundation Repair. Oh, the Leafs just tied the game. Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. It is Craig McTavish checking in tonight. Mac T, how are you doing, sir? Has it been two weeks already, Reed? It goes so quickly, eh? <laughs> yeah, well, it really does, especially with all the games and all the news. Man, oh, man, the, just the last two days alone, a lot going. We might as well start with the trade deadline. Kulak, Broussard, yeah. um, you know, fan reaction as usual is all over the map. You were obviously following this closely. What did you think of those moves? Uh, I think predictable. I mean, uh I don't think the Oilers or Kenny was in a position to expend a bunch of high-quality assets, uh, especially in light of the recent uh, surge from the team where they'd won five games in a row now. Uh, Brett Kulak's a, a serviceable defenseman for sure. I know him a bit. We played a bit of uh, spring hockey with my son, Sean. Um, Brian Benning was the coach that year. But, uh, you know, he's got good range. You, you need depth. I think, uh, you know, that the, there was uh, definitely pressure to do something. Derek Broussard, I think, uh, you know, it, it remains to be seen how effective he's going to be. He hasn't been that effective the last couple of years, uh, albeit in a, a higher expected role than what he'll be in with the Oilers. He'll, his, the expectation for him here, I think, will be to play some pretty solid uh, minutes. I don't think they'll be expecting too, too much offense out of him, but uh, he's got experience. Uh, he's decent in the face-off circle, and uh, I think he's a fairly intelligent player. Hopefully he's inspired by the opportunity to be here in a playoff position. You just you never know with older players on how they're going to react to these situations. I haven't... Uh, heard any comments from uh, Derek, but hopefully he's inspired to get an opportunity here and and try and make the most of it. And if his motivation is high, I think, uh, you know, he, he, he could uh, help in a limited role. He's, he did a quick Zoom availability on Monday, and he brought up his, experience, his playoff experience, 117 
playoff games and he's uh, like 930 something in, in the regular season and, and I kind of said well how is that going to help and he just basically said well you know I've been there I've, I've been deep he and the Rangers went to the cup final I think uh, he's been to a couple of conference finals as well so, so you hope that kicks in if and I mean the Oilers will be in the playoffs we're, we're going to see how, how deep they're going to go but to me Craig this is now I think we kind of know where Kulak goes on defense. And now I look at possibly as soon as tomorrow, Nugent Hopkins is coming back. Archibald is available to play at home and also Saturday in Calgary. And Broussard comes in. Now, I, I would think Malone and Shore are, are going to come out and maybe Malone goes down. But if they want to get all three of those guys in, somebody else is going to have to come out that has been playing and probably hopes and expects to play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's always, uh, uh, you know, to, you have to put those individual objectives and, and goals aside right now and and uh, do what's right for the team. If it's you that's sat out, it's a bitter pill to swallow, but you have to suck it up and make sure that you don't bring the group down with any negative energy at all around the room. And I think all those guys are really capable of doing that. Brad Malone's played well when he's been in. Uh, sure too, as well as, 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 uh, has played well. And, it, you know, you just, you got to know that you're going to need the depth and that's where the head coach has to have these conversations with these players and, uh, and lay it out. Communication is vital to, to say just that. I mean, we're preparing for a playoff race, and uh, you know who knows what that lineup's going to look like. We're going to get these new guys in today, but that doesn't mean you're going to be excluded, and we're going to need you. And that type of obvious communication goes a long way in framing uh, that situation for those individual players. And uh, Jay has always, I think, been really good at. At doing that and and framing those tough situations and tough phone, tough uh, conversations with those players. Craig McTavish joining us tonight on Inside Sports. So we had the trade deadline, and then we got right into a couple of games. And Monday night's game, Craig, I mean, I think that was an absolute beauty. I, I know the Oilers wanted the extra point. The fans certainly wanted the extra point. I, quite frankly, just looking at Monday's game, I, I found it difficult to complain about much after that game. Even the two power play goals against, and I do want to talk deeper about the penalty kill as we go along, but even those were kind of bounces that went Colorado's way. Am I, am I over, am I over uh, hyping how the Oilers played Monday night, or what did you think? No, I, I think any time you go up against the best team in the conference and you have that type of effort and energy out of your group, uh, on both sides and, and, uh, Colorado was geared up for that game too, as well with, which is pretty enlightening too. It shows that they have a healthy respect, uh, for the Oilers and their ability to play. And they knew it was going to be a, a tough, tough game. And, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you take a lot of positive things out of that hockey game that, you know, they've humbled a lot of teams, a lot of really good teams, especially recently. They humbled Calgary, uh, where we had those comedic comments out of Daryl Sutter and being, you know, uh, eight wasted days when you play that team. So I, I think uh, the players, I think there's a good feeling in that group right now, and uh, that that's really strong evidence of that when they played 
that well in a very tough building against a team that was charged up for them. The Dallas game would have been, uh, they're left with regret and remorse at the end of that, having a lead with, you know, five and a half minutes left. That was, you know, and that might be a situation that's perfect for Derek Broussard, where he can come in and help lock down those games. And, uh, you know, Jay will be all over some of the tactical breakdowns that happened uh, in that game. And, and that, that lesson will be painful for the team, but it'll be, in my mind, really beneficial going forward on, uh, you know, what not to do when you lose the lead, not only lose the lead, but uh, uh, then, then lose the game. I think there were lots of teachable uh, tactical things that happened in that last six minutes that they'll be uh, long-term pretty beneficial for the team. The word puck management gets thrown around a lot. Rob and I talked about it after the game last yeah. night. Uh, like, is that, but, but, I, but that's also one of the terms that sometimes I, I feel like do, do we overuse it and then it loses a, loses its meaning a little bit. I mean, what, what, what does puck management mean to you? Like, and when you were coaching, what, what did you want to see? What was good puck management when your team was trying to protect a lead late? Well, to me, it all gets to bodies above the puck on defense and uh, Charlie Huddy used to always say, never trust expletive forward. Never trust a forward uh, if you're a defenseman. And, you know, that's one of, the, one of those lessons that I think will be uh, absorbed by, by the players. Like the, 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 the goal uh, where Cody Cece, he had the puck and uh, – he turned the puck over. I mean, he, he advanced it slightly, but, you know, not enough. He got cornered off there on the wall. And, you know, there, there were a couple forwards. I think uh, Evander, Connor got a bit wide. And when that puck turned over, it, it, you know, there was nobody backing up Cody with the exception of, uh, of, of Darnell. And, uh, you know, in that situation that you have to have guys above the puck. If that thing's turned over, if he's got open ice in front of him and you're a forward, sure, you know, get going, join the rush. But if the ice is tight, you have to uh, hit the brakes and be in a position that it is, if it is turned over, you've got to be in a position where you can defend it. Because, I mean, and, and that's, that's where your decision-making changes relative to the time in the game and the score in the game. There's the game is strategic. And if you're going to, you want to, you're playing the game to win. There are times in the game uh, that your, your tactics change and you have to adapt as a player to those situations. And uh, you know, the, the one thing that you can't have happen happened there a couple times, both on the Rupe Hins goal, where we did have enough guys back above the puck, but we got flat-footed, and he just—I mean, he—he—they uh, made a nice play, hit him with speed at the blue line, he was gone. And then the uh, Gurionov goal, uh, where I mean, that was that was pretty flagrant that uh, there should have been some guys 
you know, d defending or backing up Cody Cece in, in my mind. Craig, I, I, at the start of the show tonight, I went over some of the ice time because it's 20 games now for Woodcroft, and we often had, and by we, I mean not just you and me, but me and Brownie and, and listeners who would call in and participate about Dry Settle McDavid, were they playing too much? Can you spread the ice time around a little more? Certainly Bouchard is down about almost six minutes a game under Woodcroft. Uh, Barry's down about a minute and a half. Uh, Yamamoto is up. I won't go through the whole list again. Yeah. When, when you were when you were coaching, like how aware were you of like were you aware of ice time down to the second, down to the minute? Were you were you just going by feel, or did you ever catch yourself like, wait a minute, I, this guy's on the ice too much? I'm just wondering how it feels on the bench when you're trying to manage that. Yeah, I, I think you want to make sure that you're doling the ice out relative to the contribution level of the player that night, and. I think if the player's on and slats, he was great at that. Like if, if uh, you were going as a third or fourth liner and you were having successful shifts and uh, playing well, you, you played. And I think that's really as a, for a player, that's what you're looking for. That if you're going, you want, you want to be rewarded and you want to be rewarded with that ice time. Conversely, if you're not having a great game, then, you know, somebody else, there was always a, that competition level between the third and fourth lines in the, when I played here. And uh, as a coach, you, you've, got a, you've got a pretty good sense of how much everybody would play after the game. And rarely would you be surprised uh, with with uh, with the ice time of any player. Uh, you, you, and, and you know you got to get players in the game too as well. It, it's and Jay did that when he first got up here. If we remember back to the, you know, when he was using eleven forwards and uh, seven defense, that uh, everybody was was getting in the game and before. Dave Tippett left, that, that that wasn't always the case. You know, the fourth line generally would uh, would, would not play or would not get that much of an opportunity. All right, Craig, hang on the line. And you, and you brought up okay. Daryl Sutter and some comments to the media, and I want to dive into that with you a little bit as well because there was another interesting situation with Daryl Sutter and the Flames speaking to the media last night. Craig Vitavis checking in for Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Craig McTavish on the other end of the line tonight. Okay, Mac T, you mentioned Daryl Sutter's comment that whoever plays Colorado in the first round is going to be uh, wasting eight days. And then last yeah, night he sent was... out the goalie coach to do the post-game interview uh, after the loss. I, I mean, look, I, I, I think we all know kind of what Sutter is doing with the Colorado um comment um did you ever I, did you ever send out a goalie coach i don't remember <laughs> i wasn't working in edmonton most of your tenure here i, th I thought that was yeah. a little curious no that's uh unique <laughs> but uh part of what makes him so brilliant i guess he uh i mean amazing job that he's done this year but uh 
you know that's that's uh, that's a tactic that I never deployed. Not that Pete Peters wouldn't have been capable of going out there and uh, handling the odd question after a loss, but uh, uh, no, ne never did that. Uh, and again, we, we, we know what he's doing with the comment about the, the wasted eight days against Colorado. I, I mean, you, you've had to speak to the media a, a lot in your career as a coach, player, and manager. Um, like, as a coach, was there ever anything you said that wasn't totally calculated? Like, even if it maybe seemed like you were losing your cool, did you always know exactly what you were doing? and the message you might be delivering to the fans, your team, or even to the league if you were talking about officials? You know what I mean? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, no. The odd time I uh, had uh, some regrets uh, that turned into financial regrets, but uh, it, the, the, the one that comes to mind was the uh, when Sean Horkoff won the faceoff back and... Uh, we scored against Dallas, I want to say. And uh, Mick Magoo waved the goal off because he thought that Hork had used his hand to win the faceoff. And he, he, I mean, he was really uh, animated in his, uh, when he was waving it off, and he was completely wrong. And so at the end of the game, I made a few comments that I, later regretted and the league made sure that I regretted it even more. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I think, you know, you, you look at a lot of successful coaches, you really analyze how they communicate with the media and, uh, you know, Belichick for sure is, it doesn't give you anything. He's, uh, not, in, he's not in the entertainment business one bit from his perspective, uh, Daryl, he, he's getting, he, he's getting, uh, more entertaining. Like I think for a lot of years, he, you know, he, he wouldn't give you much and he's only going to give you exactly what he wants to give you. And, uh, I think, I think that's, that's good. That's a good way to manage it. I never felt comfortable doing that because, you know, it wasn't really my style. I, I, I thought, you know, I owed the explanation, but I, I'm not sure I was right in terms of how I dealt with the, dealt with the media. Sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes I feel when I watch our players and that after, and when you lose, like there's an expectation from the people answering the questions that you have to, uh, at least I feel like the players feel this way, that they, they have to bear their soul and, and come out there. And, uh, you know, it's like a trip to the principal's office to go in there and try and explain what went wrong. And I don't think they entirely need to, to do that or be, you know, subjected to that type of atmosphere after after the games and the, the guys that have been doing it a long time like Daryl Sutter and you know I don't think Scotty gave you much either those guys that have had success that uh, you know they, they, they don't give you much in those uh, post-game press conferences well Craig uh, unfortunately we're out of time I'm confident that neither one of us will get fined as a result of this appearance yes perfect 
<laughs> there we go. Absolutely. We're saving ourselves some money. You no, know, Colin Campbell dinged me for, yeah, for, which were some uh, uh, inappropriate comments. But anyway, <laughs> always a pleasure, Reed. Uh, look forward to the game tomorrow night. Right on. That is Craig McTavish checking in on Inside Sports for Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. We got the news and weather, and we still have Chris Morris and Kelly Rudy coming up. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.